the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 22nd morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. My, oh, my, we are underway in Washington, D.C. And yes, already a victory for President Trump. Not that this is a notable victory because it was expected. There is a 53 to 47 Republican majority in the United States Senate. And that is exactly how they voted to adopt the rules put forth by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. So it is a victory in the same way that it was a quote-unquote victory for the Democrats in the House to actually impeach President Trump. They hold the majority, and they held the majority, and they voted as a majority, and they won. And that's the way that it goes. There's nothing you can do about it. What I have been saying since long before they voted on the articles of impeachment in the House is that the worst thing in the world, the worst fear that the Democrats have, is losing control and sending this to the Senate. That's why Nancy Pelosi sat on it for three weeks after they voted on the uh, impeachment articles. They could not stand the sight of somebody other than Adam Schiff or Jerry Nadler running the show. The Intelligence Committee chair or the Judiciary Committee chair, that's all they wanted was to remain in control. Because when they were, they could hold their meetings in secret. They could hold the testimony in secret. They could deny the Republicans the opportunity to call witnesses. They could deny Donald Trump legal uh, uh, representation in those hearings. They could deny witnesses the right to answer questions that are asked by Republicans. They could control it all. And when you control the process, you thus control the narrative. When you control the narrative, you control propaganda. And the ability to release only what you want to be released to the public from those shameful, secret, bunker hearings and testimony that happened on the House side. 
They controlled the propaganda. They were able to feed the American people only what they wanted them to eat and then said, digest that and then tell us in the polls whether or not you think Donald Trump should be impeached. And certainly uh, a majority in most of the polls said, yeah, we agree, because they controlled the entire narrative. The worst case scenario for them is we're done. We're done on the House side. Now we have to send it over to a place where instead of Schiff, and Nadler, and to a big picture, Pelosi, controlling the narrative and the process, now that control goes to Mitch McConnell. It goes to Lindsey Graham. It goes to Ted Cruz. It goes to conservative Republicans in the Senate who are going to expose this hoax for exactly what it is. And yesterday and last night, over 13 hours, which is really just kind of staggering, Over 13 hours, that is exactly what happened. They argued about the rules. They argued about the process. They argued about whether or not there should be witnesses. They argued about uh, how speedy this uh, trial should be, etc. And at the end of the day, same story, partisan vote, this time in favor of the Republicans. The one thing that you should take away from yesterday, one of many things that we will discuss today, uh, that you should take away, though, is that in this particular case... Once again, no Republicans cracked and went over to the Democrat side. On the House side, no Republicans cracked and went over to the Democrat side. In the House, three Democrats cracked and went over to the Republican side against the Articles of Impeachment, one voting present, two voting no. So if there was bipartisanship on the House side, which there was, it was that the president should not be impeached, that the articles should not be adopted and sent to the Senate. On the uh, uh, Senate side, there were no part, or there was no uh, uh, there was no bipartisanship whatsoever. It was just Republicans fifty three, Democrats forty seven, and guess what? That's going to be the vote at the end of the trial. When they are asked to render their verdict, it will be 53 against removal from office and 47 for this entire affair is a waste of American time and a waste of American resources. There is no other way to describe this. It was simply uh, a matter of, it not was, it is simply a matter of numbers. And it's a matter of the Democrats doing nothing here relating even remotely to the law. Because there were no laws broken. There were no, let me say that again. In the articles of impeachment, there were no laws even uh, accused of being broken. There were no um, accusations of the president breaking a law because there was no criminal code violation listed. It was a general term, obstruction of Congress and abuse of power. What in the world does that even mean? Nothing according to our criminal code. So did the president commit high crimes and misdemeanors? He didn't even commit simple crimes and misdemeanors. Because if there was a crime alleged, it would be listed in the Articles of Impeachment. They know there is nothing to the Ukrainian phone call. There is nothing to the allegation that he tried to, (coughs) excuse me, to, (coughs) we're sick on the show today. Marcy is off today. She is not feeling well. 
I'm fighting very hard to get through this. I would have taken this day off had it not been so important because of the impeachment trial. I will try to push through through the entire week because I have so much I want to analyze with you and for you. But I apologize if I have to take breaks like that. Anyway, um, the... uh, I, now I lost my place because of that, so apologies again. I would, what I do want to do is I want you to listen to a little bit of uh, some of the most important statements that were made uh, during this 13-hour hearing or 13 hours of hearings and arguments over the rules. Again, that 153 to 47, Mr. McConnell's rules will apply. I want you to hear um, uh, Jay Sekulow, who is one of the president's attorneys, and of course he is uh, uh, the owner and proprietor of Jay Sekulow Live, which you hear every day right here on AM 1420, The Answer, after the Sebastian Gorka Show. Jay Sekulow went after the liars on the Democrat side, these quote-unquote impeachment managers, and especially Jerry Nadler, for trying to do exactly what they are doing, and that is shredding our Constitution. Chairman Nadler talked about treacherous at about 12.10 a.m., January 22nd, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee at this body, on the floor of this Senate, said executive privilege and other nonsense. Now think about that for a moment. Executive privilege and other nonsense. Mr. Nadler, it is not nonsense. These are privileges recognized by the Supreme Court of the United States. And to shred the Constitution on the floor of the Senate, to serve what purpose? The Senate is not on trial. The Constitution doesn't allow what just took place. Look what we've dealt with for the last, now, 13 hours. And we hopefully are closing the proceedings, but not on a very high note. Only guilty people try to hide evidence. So I guess when President Obama instructed his attorney general to not give information, he was guilty of a crime. That's the way it works, Mr. Nadler? Is that the way you view the United States Constitution? Because that's not the way it was written. That is not the way it's interpreted. And there's not the way the American people should have to live. The president's legal defense team was spitting fire yesterday into the microphone over 13 hours and calling the Democrats out for what they are, calling them out for their lies, calling them out for their, indeed, shredding of the Constitution, calling them out for trying to make a mockery of the process of impeachment, which is exactly what they've done, because never before in the history of this country has a president been impeached without allegations of crimes being committed. Never before has a president been impeached for something that that is has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on the national security of the United States, and that yet that's exactly what their impeachment articles implied that the president abused his power and put the United States national security at risk because a foreign country got $400 billion in American aid a few days later. That does not put the United States national security at risk. Jay Sekulow was impassioned. 
So was uh, Pat Cipollone. You're going to hear from him next after we uh, get... You know, this was uh, Secular going after Nadler. Cipollone goes after Schiff. I'm going to let you hear that next. I've got a lot from Alan Dershowitz. I'm going to let you hear, and I do remember where I was, by the way, before I had a little coughing fit, and that is about this phone call not being the source of this impeachment proceeding. The source of this impeachment proceeding was the election that was held on November 8th, 2016. That is what launched the impeachment proceedings, as evidenced by multiple Democrats who started screaming to impeach him from day one, and as acknowledged by the attorney representing the quote-unquote whistleblower, who is not really, really a whistleblower, who told the press in the Washington Post, that impeachment has begun. This was on January 20th of 2017. So, yes, uh, this has nothing to do with the actual phone call to Ukraine or the delay in aid, which, of course, Ukraine never even knew about, was not pressured or forced to act to receive. None of that was true. This was true that Democrats started on January, or excuse me, on, on November 8th, 2016, and January 20th, 2017, to start impeaching this president. I'm going to let you hear from Crazy Maisie trying to tell you that your ears deceived you. Coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. All right, 924, thanks for joining us on this very important Wednesday program uh, of The Authority. We uh, are reacting to yesterday's uh, Republican win, and and again, it's kind of a shallow win because you have the majority, but then again, the only reason we're in the Senate right now having this is because the Republicans had them, or excuse me, the Democrats had the majority in the House, and they were able to ramrod through the most ridiculous, content-free impeachment in the history of the American presidency. So that's why we're here. And that's why it's important to point all of this out. Now, speaking of pointing important things out, I want you to listen to Crazy Maisie Hirono. One of the things that Democrats, or excuse me, Republicans and defenders of the president have said on air, radio, television, writing in columns, is that this impeachment is something that is completely 100% born of politics and a fear, first of all, anger at Donald Trump for beating Hillary Clinton and literally destroying their grand plans to transform America into some sort of a socialist utopia by following the eight years of Obama policies with eight years of, uh, of um, similar Hillary Clinton policies. Uh, he, she was supposed to win comfortably, and she lost by a big margin. She lost 30 states and won only 20 of them. She lost by an electoral college landslide, and they're angry. They hate this man that beat her for beating her, but also because of the persona that he has, because of the personality that he exudes, and because he is a severe threat to their way of life. So that's number one. The second reason for the impeachment, which again started right when he beat her in November 8, 2016, is because they're afraid that it's going to happen again. We have to get this guy out. Not out of office, or not just out of office, but out of the 2020 race. If he runs for re-election, these redneck Hilljack Walmart shoppers that elected him the first time are going to do it again. 
This is their mindset. We've heard that language coming from those opponents of the president. Sadly, not just political opponents, but supposedly non-political members of our intelligence community, of the DOJ, speaking, of course, about FBI leaders like Peter Strzok. They are terrified that Trump will win again. That's why this impeachment is happening. Now, let's listen to one of them try to deny all of the above. Crazy Maisie Hirono, senator from Hawaii, who literally is about as far gone as any of them, to be honest with you. Uh, she's just out there in another space zone. Um, Crazy Maisie Hirono was speaking on her second favorite place, which is MSNBC, her favorite being CNN, uh, talking about the conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy to think Democrats were out to get Trump from the very beginning. We're just doing our jobs because of what he said in a phone call to Ukraine this past July. Listen to Crazy Maisie. Well, I think Adam did a really good job of laying out the facts. And then what we got from the president's people were really what I found astounding was they're still saying that we were out to get the president from day one. Some kind of a weird conspiracy theory that I have to say even even Kavanaugh brought out. This, they really believe this stuff. I find it incredible. Do they really believe this stuff? I find it incredible that they're still trying to say that we were out to get the president from day one. Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy, Maisie? I mean, what are they thinking trying to peddle such nonsense that you weren't out to get the president from day one, that this is only a response to the horrific national security concerns raised by a July 25th phone call to Ukraine? They weren't out to get uh, get Donald Trump from day one at all, were they? Well, I don't know. Let's listen to yet another of the dozens and dozens and dozens of montages of Democrats calling for Donald Trump's impeachment long before July 25th of 2019. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. I support impeaching this president. I will fight every day until he is impeached. It may well produce impeachment. We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the mother- we begin impeachment proceedings now. We are introducing articles of impeachment to remove President Trump from office. I rise today, Mr. Speaker, to call for the impeachment of the president. You guys are going to be in a situation where you would have to possibly take a vote on the impeachment of Donald Trump. Would you vote yes or no? I would vote yes. I would vote. I would vote to impeach. Impeach 45. All of those clips in that montage, like I said, there are dozens of montages just like it. All of them, not most of them, but all of them occurred long before July 25th of 2019. As a matter of fact, most of them occurred before 2019 even began. You heard Al Green, Mr. Speaker, I rise to call for the impeachment of the President of the United States. You heard that, right? Why would he call Nancy Pelosi Mr. Speaker? And the answer is because that clip was from the first two years of the Trump presidency when Paul Ryan was the speaker. So how can Crazy Maisie call it a conspiracy when we say that they have been coming after Trump from day one for impeachment? How can she and they say, no, we, we are absolutely devastated by the fact that we have to come forward to try to impeach, but we heard a phone call by way of a whistleblower that put national security at risk. 
We, we heard something devastating and terrible, and we have to respond to it. It's our constitutional duty. We're not out to get him. This is just a result of a July 25th phone call. Well, then explain to me the January through June of 2019 calls for impeachment. Explain to me the January through December's, uh, December of 2018's phone calls. Or, uh, excuse me, get a little bit ahead of myself. The January to December of 2018 calls for impeachment. And, yes, from January 20th of 2017 through the end of that year, they called for Trump's impeachment. They have been screaming for impeachment since Election Day of 2016 and beyond. And now they're just carrying out their plans. The problem is it's blowing up in their faces. All right, I'm going to get news now. And on the other side of the news, I would like you to weigh in. What did you hear yesterday that you liked? What did you hear yesterday that concerns you? Give me your thoughts on the impeachment proceedings as they are happening. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. It's the authority. Nine thirty-five. As we continue now on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Thanks again for being with us. I want to hear from you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. I would like to get you there. And if you would rather comment to me on Facebook or on Twitter or on Parlor, you may do so at France Radio F R A N T Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. So I gave you Crazy Maisie from yesterday on MSNBC. I want to give you a little bit more now of the deconstruction of the Liberal Democrats' ridiculous articles of impeachment and the introduction of same made yesterday uh, in this uh, Senate trial um, rules debate yesterday. Pat Cipollone, one of the president's uh, defense team, was very impassioned. I already played to you the passionate remarks from, or played for you from uh, Jay Sekulow, one of the other attorneys for the president. He responded directly to Jerry Nadler and called him out point blank. Pat Cipollone did the same thing to Adam Schiff. We can only sit and listen to the lies for so long before we have to speak up. And here's Pat Cipollone. It's very difficult to sit there and listen to Mr. Schiff tell the tale that he just told. Let's remember how we all got here. They made false allegations about a telephone call. The President of the United States declassified that telephone call and released it to the public. How's that for transparency? When Mr. Schiff found out that there, were not, there was nothing to his allegations, he focused on the second telephone call. He made false, and his colleagues made false allegations about that second telephone call that occurred before the one he had demanded. So the President of the United States declassified and released that telephone call. Still nothing. Again, complete transparency in a way that, frankly, I'm unfamiliar with any precedent of any President of the United States releasing a classified telephone call with a foreign leader. And there's a good reason for that. Presidents don't release classified information like that on phone calls because of what? Because of the precedent that it will set for future presidents and future foreign leaders who may refuse to talk candidly with the President of the United States if what that foreign leader may say 
is going to be broadcast. Apologies for that again. I'm sick, but I'm fighting through it today. Um, if that foreign leader is concerned that anything he says on the, uh, what is supposed to be a private phone call with the president, protected by executive privilege, it may be broadcast to the masses or put in transcript form in the Washington Post. So that's why it's so really important to keep those things private, but in the interest of full transparency. And I would submit to you probably with the approval of the president of Ukraine, because he wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm sure that President Zelensky uh, understood why he had to release the private conversation. Because, again, he doesn't want to upset and, and set a very dangerous precedent for other world leaders. So I'm sure he got the okay from Zelensky. Do you mind if I release this transcript of the two of us talking? Because they're trying to make up some garbage about me that was not in our conversation. And I'm very certain that the, the president of Ukraine said, fire away, do what you got to do. But I don't have proof of that. The, the point is, this is what full transparency looks like. Who is trying to hide in the shadows? Who is trying to, to um, instigate and perpetrate a cover-up? The president who released the full transcript to show that he did not ask for or demand anything in exchange for the aid that was going to be sent to him? Or the Democrat Party, which held their entire uh, series of impeachment inquiry hearings and testimony in uh, a bunker in the basement of the Capitol building, where Democrats held full control. Republicans were not allowed to ask questions, were not allowed to call witnesses. When they did allow Republican questions, Adam Schiff, director of the Intel excuse me, committee, uh, would tell uh, uh, witnesses which ones they could answer and which ones they couldn't. No due process for the president. Who's really trying to initiate a cover-up here? So the Republicans basically called out the Democrats on their lies. I want to pivot now to um, Adam Dershowitz, yet a third member of what is just a, a rock star legal team, honestly, with Jay Sekulow. And uh, it, it's hilarious listening to Cipollone and Sekulow and, and Dershowitz now you know, going after the completely overmatched Schiff and Nadler and, and the rest of these individuals. But Adam uh, Dershowitz, this is not from the Senate floor last night. This is in an interview uh, that he did uh, on Fox Friends. And he wanted the American P- or not Fox and Friends, just Fox. I'm not sure which show, but it's not Fox and Friends. But at any rate, um, he wanted the American people to know that this entire process, regardless of the outcome, and I think we all know what the outcome is going to be, it's going to be the same thing as the rules last night, 53 to 47 to acquit the president. Now let's get on with the business of running the country. Well, for the president, for, the, for the, uh, his legal team and for his supporters, for the Democrats, it will be, okay, back to the drawing board. Let's look for the next articles of impeachment to draw up against him. They will not stop until his name is removed from the ballot in November. They will not stop, if he is reelected in November, to stop him from serving four more years of exposing their treachery, of exposing their, uh, of their, uh, their um, corruption, and, and trying to continue to drain that swamp. They will not stop. But for the president and for his supporters, it will be, after this acquittal, getting back to the business of the people, working for the American people to continue the tremendous successes we've had in the last three years under President Trump. But Adam Dershowitz wanted people to know, regardless of that outcome, the fact that we are here is a slap in the face to the framers of the Constitution. The founders of this country, the framers of the Constitution, would have rejected these articles of impeachment on their face. Way back when. That's a long time ago. But you do know law. And you do know the Constitution. Why don't you give a 
if you will, maybe a Cliff Notes education to some of the members of the Democratic Party, your party. Well, thank you. I've been spe- That's extremely important, by the way. I brought that up yesterday, too. This is a liberal. He did not vote for Donald Trump. He voted for Hillary Clinton. He is a liberal constitutional law professor from Harvard. He is not conservative in any way, shape, or form. But what he is, is a constitutionalist. And that means he's going to side with the Constitution, no matter what partisan, uh, what, what it may say in, in terms of partisanship. Even if it's going against his own political ideology, which is liberal progressivism, and against his favorite party, the Democrat Party, he sides with the Constitution. That's what makes his presence on Team Trump so very important to understand. Spending the last two days with dusty books going back to the 18th and 19th centuries, reading Blackstone and reading the debates over the Constitution and reading the trial of Andrew Johnson. And I've come to the firm conclusion that the two elements of impeachment, Directed against President Trump are unconstitutional. The framers would have rejected abuse of power, would have rejected obstruction of Congress. They rejected things like it, maladministration. They didn't want to turn the United States into a British parliamentary system where Congress controls the executive and where a prime minister or president can be uh, voted out of office by a simple majority vote of the legislature. So they created very strict criteria. Uh, treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. Other high crimes and misdemeanors means crimes like treason and bribery. They don't have to be technical crimes. If a person commits bribery but he's out of the jurisdiction or the statute of limitations is over, he can still be impeached. But they have to be criminal-like conduct akin to treason and bribery. That's why the whole debate over witnesses is premature. First the Senate should decide is there a case? If this were a criminal case, I'd be making a motion to dismiss. Say somebody is indicted for dishonesty, and they have a whole list of things he did. I would go into court and say dishonesty is not a crime. And I would go to the Senate and say that abuse of power is not a crime. And so you don't need witnesses, if my view prevails. You don't need documents. You get right to the vote, and you acquit. If you did need witnesses and documents... The time to gather them was last month. While the Democrats controlled the process and were putting together their case against the president, outlined in the articles of impeachment, those witnesses, that testimony, those documents, would all be included in the case they send to the Senate. The Senate is not the time for investigation. The Senate is not the, the time, the Senate trial is not the time for new discovery. The Senate is the time to present the discovery and the investigation conducted by the House. They don't get to start it over again in the Senate because they feel like maybe we have more. If you had more, you should have done it on the House side. If there were witnesses you wanted, why didn't you subpoena? Don't sit here and say, well, the President just would have uh, refused to allow them to testify under executive privilege. Put it forth. Shift in subpoena Bolton, shift in subpoena Mulvaney, shift in subpoena these people. Neither did Nadler. Now they're going to say we have to subpoena these people on the Senate side. They know the reason they kept those little, really they're blanks. Uh, I was going to say kept their bullets um, in the chamber rather than firing them in the Senate side. Sorry about the gun reference if that triggers you. Sorry about the trigger reference if that triggers you. 
But they had those little blanks. They left them in the in the uh, in the in the uh, uh, chamber rather than firing because they knew that once they lost control of this discussion, when the Republicans were in charge of the Senate, they had to have something to stop a simple, quick acquittal. Because the votes are are simply there for the president to be acquitted. The evidence is not there to prove that he committed quote high crimes and misdemeanors. So what they all they could do this was a long game, grand strategic plan. Understand this: they may be evil, but they're not all entirely stupid. Talking about the demon rats who, who put this thing through, they said, "What are we going to do when we get to the Senate side and we've got nothing? Because there's you know as much as uh, the pomp and circumstances we can put forth, as much of a show trial as we can put forth, we know there's nothing of substance in these articles. We can't even name a criminal code violation. What are we going to do when they get it? And then they say, okay, this is all here and there's nothing. Let's let's acquit and go go away. They say, well, let's save and try to rather than call them now. Let's try to call witnesses later." Maybe we can stretch this thing out a little bit in the hopes that something else happens when the Senate trial is going on. This is a grand plan. So, again, they're evil, but they're not stupid. Not entirely. Most of them are stupid. After all, they are Democrats and they registered as such. But they are evil, but not mostly, uh, not all entirely stupid. Just mostly stupid. All right, it's 947. I got more for you, and I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945 after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again for joining us on AM 1420. The answer, a very busy week, a very important week. And uh, it's my, uh, uh, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm fighting through whatever it is. There's some funk going around. It's not the coronavirus, thank goodness. Uh, There's only one case of that in the United States so far. That's out in Washington. And our prayers, of course, are for everybody, whether they're in uh, in, in Asia or here or anybody else. That sounds like it's a very, very dangerous thing. But no, there's uh, Marcy is out sick today. I probably should be out sick today, but I want to stay here and do this because of the uh, the gravity of what's going on right now is the coup against the President of the United States. The attempt to remove him from power unjustly uh, continues. So that's why I am here, and I'm glad you're here, too. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'd love to hear from you. I want to share with you um, a little bit of Hugh Hewitt's piece in the Washington Post today. Now, Hugh, of course, read this to you during his show. If you were not up from 6 to 9, maybe you missed it. So I want to share some of it with you because it's really important. After just one day of uh, arguments and debates, which is what happened yesterday to set the rules for this trial, and uh, Mitch McConnell's rules did pass, uh, 53 to 47. After just that much, uh, Hugh Hewitt came to this conclusion that anything other than a rapid acquittal will deeply damage the presidency. Understand this, not the president. This is about so much more than Donald Trump. So much more than than President Trump. This is about the presidency. If this is allowed to go through, honestly, no president will ever be safe again. No president will be able to use executive privilege again. No president will be able to conduct foreign policy as as uh, uh, he is um, uh, permitted to do by exclusive powers granted him in the Constitution. No president will be safe. They will be able to drum up phony articles of impeachment against any Democrat president or Republican president in the future that do not have to be tied to the U.S. criminal code, in other words, law-breaking, 
and just say we don't like him, let's get rid of him. The presidency is at stake here, not the president. And this is what Hugh writes. Every decision is precedent. Precedent. P-R-E-C-E-D-E-N-T. Precedent. That which gets rewarded gets repeated. Law students should know these basic rules of the U.S. legal system and any common law system. That which has gone before inevitably is used to argue for or against what comes next. And that argument or tactic that has successfully persuaded a court in the past is likely to be urged on courts of today as precedent that binds its actions. Both rules should be uppermost in the senators' minds as they consider the presentations of the House Democrats and the president's legal team. Having reviewed the House manager's trial brief uh, and that submitted by the president's legal team, I believe anything other than a rapid acquittal, writes Hugh Hewitt, will be deeply damaging to the presidency. It will not injure this president at all, this president at all, to have witnesses and weeks and weeks of proceedings, but it will damage the presidency. If the purely partisan and reckless maneuvering of House Democrats receives more than it deserves, rapid disposition with a strong case of senatorial scorn, future presidents, at least those who face House majorities from the opposite party, can look forward to the impeachification of all political disputes down the road. The president's lawyers know this. They know this is the strongest argument even for senators who most dislike Trump, whether Republican or Democrat. If senators care about the Constitution... They have to think not in terms of the next hundred hours or days, but the next hundred years. And they have to consider that it is not only the other party that might be gored, but their own. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell warned then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid that the latter would be true, the, uh, the latter would rue the day he destroyed the judicial filibuster for nominees to the federal bench. Whether Reid ever admits it, Trump's two appointees to the Supreme Court his 50 appointees to the federal circuit courts, and 133 to the district courts are stark reminders of the costs of short-term thinking. Senators must dwell on the what-ifs that lie down the road. I think everyone in the chamber hopes the Republican endures another two centuries at least. Political combat has been continually, continually escalated long before Trump became president. But the attempt to flood the zone with new charges and witnesses, follows by less than two years the outrageous late-in-the-process attacks on Justice Brett Kavanaugh in the closing days of his confirmation. Now, in our politics, even that which is almost gets rewarded is being repeated. I know the pressures from the left-wing weigh very heavily on Democrat senators, but some of them need to find the courage to speak about the dangerous precedents and threatened to be, uh, excuse me, that threatened to be created in the next few days. Certainly every Republican senator should do so. Armed with footnote 565 of the president's trial brief, senators can quickly dismiss the idea of the necess- necessity of new witnesses. In that footnote are citations to early press accounts of Ukrainian conduct that was indeed interference in our 2016 election, though nothing on the scale of the Russian attempt to sow discord in our politics. These accounts include stories from Politico, the Financial Times, and the New York Times, and they reveal a predicate for the president's concern over some Ukrainian conduct in 2016. There is, therefore, no doubt that a responsible president would request, if not demand, an inquiry by Ukrainian President Zelensky. The second article of impeachment is even more dangerous than the first. It would deprive the executive of the, uh, the executive of its Article II status as a separate but equal branch, 
and would oblige, oblige future presidents to yield their rights and privileges, no matter how specious the claims against him or her, or how intrusive the inquiries into privileged communications or into matters of national security. Whatever one thinks of the first article of impeachment, and it takes partisan blinders to think much of it at all, it is constitutional ignorance to credit the second article with any merit whatsoever. Both will do damage to the presidency. Every second they are infused with any sort of credibility. The left is full of ominous warnings that history is watching. In fact, it will record only outcomes and brave votes from electorally endangered senators who would rather side with future presidents and the lasting necessary separation of powers than the fleeting approval of media elites. That's Hugh Hewitt in the Washington Post today. This is why the left hates him. It's kind of funny. Most of us hate the Washington Post. The one thing we like is they give Hugh a space. Most of us hate MSNBC. The one thing that we like is they give Hugh a segment and a show. Um, but, but the truth is, every word is right. This is not about the president. It is about the history, the future history of this country and the presidency. All right, it's 10 o'clock. We have time for news. Hour number two coming up. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.